scripture text this evening is Hebrews 11, just two verses. We're looking at verse 30 and verse 31, where we read the word of the Lord. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word this evening, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. In one of my favorite movies of all time, a little Sicilian, with the help of a giant and a swordsman, captures a princess in an effort to start a war. Now this little man is smart, he's, he's cunning, and he has the whole thing planned out, and from all appearances, the plan is flawless. And yet, as they make their journey with the captive princess, they begin to realize that they are being pursued by a mysterious figure, a, a man in black. Throughout his pursuit, the man in black is able to overcome every obstacle that, that the Sicilian has put in his way, first, that he knows about the kidnapping in the first place, and... And second, that he has the strength to climb the rope up the cliffs of insanity. Third, that when the rope is cut, he is able to grab onto the rocks and continue to climb up without the use of the rope. <clears throat> then he bests both the swordsman and the giant, all in his pursuit of the captured princess. And throughout this whole pursuit, every time the pursuer overcomes another obstacle, the Sicilian shakes his head and says, Inconceivable. Inconceivable. This is to say, this is impossible. Like, how could this be? It's, it's so crazy that I, I can't even conceive, I can't even think of a situation in which it makes sense. This can't be happening. It's inconceivable. It's, it's unbelievable. I trust that none of us have been planning the abduction of a princess. But there are other areas of life where the things that align against us, that array against us, they just, they just seem unbelievable. They feel completely overwhelming and, and totally ridiculous. And we think to ourselves, how am I going to get past this obstacle? And what is it doing here in the first place? The unbelievable obstacles in our, in our path can take many different forms, maybe they are a disease or a sickness or other health issues that we're dealing with. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's a big test or a crazy school assignment or a bunch of tests and school assignments all at the same time. Maybe those you've been called to minister to hold different beliefs that are very different and, and even contradictory to the truth we find in scripture. Maybe, maybe it's financial burden, maybe it's, it's personal loss. I don't know what that obstacle is or will be for you. But I do know what the obstacle was for the Israelites in our text this morning. The huge, incredibly well-defended, massive city of Jericho. There wasn't anything else like it in the ancient world. Many scholars believe that this was the first city that was defended by walls in this manner. We watch movies of medieval ages and, you know, we, we can visit castles with with walls and moats and all these fortifications today, but back then, it is pretty safe to assume that the Israelites had, 
had seen nothing like it before. The big gates all sealed tight, men standing on these massive walls of stone. How are they going to conquer this obstacle? God wanted them to take this particular city? That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I think of Joshua. He's, he's the lone leader now. Moses is gone. The Lord has entrusted the conquest, the settling of the promised land into his hands. And he is alone as the leader. Then the Lord lays out its plan for defeating the city of Jericho. He tells, he tells Joshua, all right, so here's the plan, man. You're going you're gonna to take your army and you're going to march around the city. But don't just take the army, right? Also take the Ark of the Covenant, the golden chest containing the presence of the Lord, and, and have seven priests with, with trumpets made of ram's horns go in front of the ark. Now, now take this group and march around the city once every day for six days. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their ram horn trumpets. And then after the seventh time, the priests give a mighty blast. They're going to blow really, really hard on these trumpets. And, and then everyone, when they hear the blast, they all shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall flat, will fall down. I mean, think about that for a minute. The walls of this city, and they seem unbelievable, like an unbelievable obstacle to the Israelites. They, they've never seen anything like it before in their lives. But what would seem even more unbelievable is God's plan to bring the wall down. You want us to march around the city every day for a week. And the last time, like that last day that you want us to march around the city, you want us to do it seven times while blowing trumpets. And, and then we all shout. And the walls come down. That's, that's inconceivable. It's totally unbelievable. How tempting would it be to say, hey God, like, yeah, I, I get that you're all powerful. But don't you understand how, how walls work? How stone works? Don't you understand why this obstacle is such a frustration to me? Don't you understand that marching and shouting isn't how we get things done? It isn't going to have the effect that you want it to have. Don't, don't you get this? Don't you understand that by doing this, we're going to be making a laughing stock of ourselves? We know the rest of the people we're trying to conquer hear about this. No one will be scared of us in our horns and our marching. This is absurd. It's, it's ridiculous. This isn't a viable way to get around this obstacle. How often have I thought that? This isn't a viable way to get around this obstacle. Your provision here, Lord, like your, your direction, where you're, where you're guiding, it just doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't hold water. Why would you have me do this? And yet, how did the people of Israel respond to this ridiculous plan? They carried it out. They marched. They blew trumpets. They shouted. And the walls fell. From our text this morning, we read, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. The walls weren't weakened by the ground shaking under the stomping of so many feet. It wasn't advanced sound wave technology working through the trumpets and the voices that caused the walls to fall. 
It was faith. Joshua and his people were obedient to the instructions they had been given, even though they looked totally ridiculous walking around the walls of Jericho blowing their horns. They did it because that's what they'd been told to do, and they believed in the person telling them. They believed that it would work. They didn't know how it would work, just believed that it would work. They believed that God would deliver Jericho to them. They didn't know how, they, they didn't know when, but, but they knew that they had been given instruction on what to do. Maybe they thought the horns would summon the armies of heaven. Who knows? Were they surprised by what happened? Undoubtedly. The hand of God working in our lives is often surprising. And typically not what we would have expected or what makes logical sense to us. And yet we know, we believe that faith does the unbelievable. It's important to remember that the centerpiece of the narrative is the golden ark of the covenant. God's presence. The horns were announcing the presence of God. It was God who circled that city seven times. And it was God who would bring about its downfall. God is with you. His presence is there as you face the impossible. And as you prepare to accomplish the unbelievable. Oh Lord, forgive me for how... I so easily get caught up and intimidated by the obstacles that get put in my way that just feel unbelievable. And Lord, forgive me again for when I turn and ridicule the unbelievable ways that you have prepared in order to bring me past them. As I wrestled with this text and, and grew to a deeper understanding and respect for Joshua, the people of Israel, and the faith that they had that brought down the impenetrable walls of, of such a powerful city, I was encouraged by the power of faith, but I was also humbled and discouraged by my own unworthiness of it. How could I, one who wrestles with my own unworthiness, be given faith that can overcome obstacles? Again, it just seems unbelievable. And then we keep reading our text this morning and come to the character of Rahab. The text pulls no punches on this particular woman. It, it doesn't hold back. It tells us straight up that she's a prostitute. She's someone that sells her body for money. What the text doesn't tell us, what we read in Joshua chapter 2, is that Rahab lived in Jericho and her house was against the wall of the great city. Now, now Joshua knew that Jericho was on the list to be conquered. So before they even crossed the Jordan River to enter the promised land, he sent out some spies to get information on this particular city. The spies entered the city and in an effort to blend in, they did what typical merchants do, typical people visiting the city would do. They went to the local brothel and they got a room. But these guys have been wandering in the desert for quite a while and their, their spy skills were not, they were not that great. Rahab knew them for what they were right away. In fact, even the king of Jericho had word that Israelite spies had entered his city and that they had entered Rahab's house. And so he sent for them. And Rahab went before the king and, and told him about the men. That they had come to her, but she didn't know where they were from. And that the men had actually already left the city. And if the king's men were to hurry, they might catch them. And though she told this to the king, the reality is that she had hidden the Israelites, the spies, on her roof. But the king believed her and he sent his men to the hills, tracking the Israelites. Here is a woman, not an Israelite, but a Canaanite. Not someone who is typically seen as an upstanding moral person, but a prostitute. And, and she has faith. In the Lord God. And this faith caused her to hide the enemy and betray her own people. That's, that's a little crazy. 
been unbelievable? How? Why? What? The answer lies in Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, where we read that when Rahab turned, returned to the spies hiding in her house, she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and, that, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven and above and on the earth below. We know you, she said. For we have heard, we have heard of the wondrous and fearful works of your God. We have heard about how he is with you. We have heard about how he is using you to overcome unbelievable obstacles. We have heard. As I read those words of Rahab, how, how could I think of anything else but Romans 10, 17, where the Apostle Paul writes, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word. Christ. God isn't changing his tactics. We don't find faith. We aren't worthy of it. It's given to us. It's given to us through our baptism. It is given to us through the word of God, through hearing his message of love and forgiveness, through hearing of, of how he has overcome unbelievable obstacles on behalf of his children. Rahab believed. Rahab had faith in a God that she had never been taught about when she was growing up. She, she heard the stories. And she had faith. Faith active in our lives does not mean that we are perfect. I mean, look at it. Rahab's first act of faith was to lie. She told the king the spies were gone and they were actually hiding on her roof. Living by faith does not mean living perfectly. Because we are sinful people. Our walks of faith are often salted, flavored with sin. The Holy Spirit will continue to work on each of us, convicting us of that sin and weeding it out as we continue our walks of faith. Let us not ridicule someone's faith due to the sin in their life, but instead praise God for the faith He has given and pray for the brother and sister as they battle the sin that they are dealing with of us is dealing with. Rahab's example of faith tells us that there is hope for people where no one, not even ourselves, would ever dream of it. There is no one who is too bad, too sinful, or too ignorant to be saved or to be given the gift of faith. And that's kind of crazy, isn't it? In a culture where you earn what you get, where we are told that we must be worthy of the love that is given to us, where how we present ourselves and the things that we say and the things that we, that we know determine how we fit into society. And in a culture where what you do and say resembles so much of what you are worth to society, this, this concept of being a dirty, rotten sinner and, and still being loved and valued by God and still living in faith is, well, it's, it's unbelievable. We struggle to believe it. We, we wrestle with it. And yet here we have the story of Rahab, a prostitute in the Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11, whose first act of faith was to sin, was to lie. 
In her story, we find hope for all of us sinners with our still-developing, imperfect, stumbling, and selfish faith. There's so much to love and, and be encouraged by in this story, but I think one of my favorite parts is the classic symbol that revealed Rahab's great faith. The scarlet cord that hung from her window. You see, after she returned from her visit with the king and after she confessed her faith to the spies, she helped them escape by throwing a scarlet, a deep red cord out her window and the spies climbed down it and disappeared into the hills. But before they left, they promised Rahab that if she hung this same red rope out her window on the day that the city was conquered, everyone within the walls of her house would be safe. A scarlet, Blood-red rope. The word rope in Hebrew, when we encounter it in the scriptures, is most often translated as hope. So from that perspective, Rahab hung her scarlet hope out her window to signify her faith. Many theologians have drawn a parallel to the hope that Rahab put in being marked by the scarlet cord to the hope that the Israelites put in the blood that marked their doors at Passover. Francis Schaeffer put it this way, When the children of Israel were about to leave Egypt, they were given the blood of the Passover lamb under which to be safe. And when the people were about to enter the land, they were met by a different but parallel sign. A red cord hanging from the window of a believer. Rahab's house was marked in scarlet that she might survive judgment. Much like the houses of the Israelites were marked in scarlet, that dark night of e in Egypt that death might pass over them. Much like we are marked with the scarlet blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might be justified before God. In the movie, The Princess Bride, every time the man in black overcomes an obstacle, Vecini the Sicilian shouts in disbelief, inconceivable, exclaiming, I can't believe that this is happening. It's unheard of. And at one point, the Spaniard, the hired sword, turns to him and says, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Church, friends, though I am loath to be compared and to compare you to a princess named Buttercup, that is who we are in this story. <coughs> but you see, we are not pursued by a man in black, but by a shepherd in white. And every obstacle that is put in his way, everything that would keep us from his love, he has overcome. Our sin, our unworthiness, he has forgiven it. He took it to the cross and there he died for it. So that we could have a relationship with God, not because of what we have done, but because of his great love for us. It's unbelievable. And yet we still wrestle with sin, even, even though it has been defeated, I still find myself defeated at times when I give into it. And yet we know that God still works through us as he has outlined in his word to us this morning. He still used the imperfect faith of Rahab to accomplish his goals. Not just the goal of conquering Jericho, but the goal of saving her life. God uses the faith of the imperfect to accomplish his divine purpose. And those obstacles that are in your way, the ones that you know about, but may not want to be public knowledge, the, the sin, the sickness, 
the pain, the hurt, the fear, whatever it may be. It cannot stand up against faith. God's purpose will be accomplished. It may be humiliating. It, it may mean walking around a city of stone walls blowing trumpets. But through faith, the obstacle will be overcome. Unbelievable. And if we hear ourselves using that word over and, and over again, it may be time to turn to ourselves and say, keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. For all things are possible with God through the faith that he has given us and to the purpose for which he has called us. For faith does the unbelievable. What a wonderful, fantastic, loving, and powerful God we serve. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you have done and, and all that you are doing. God, we thank you for the faith that you have given us. Faith that we can trust. Faith that we can rely on. Faith that, that you maintain. God, I thank you for how you are at work. Thank you for, for how you bless us, how you use us, how you continue to mold and shape us, Lord. I thank you that you use the imperfect, the faith of the imperfect, to accomplish your wonderful and heavenly purposes. We just praise you and thank you as we pray together, Lord, in the way that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.